This is episode 19 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Coming up in this episode, Generation Z loves brick and mortar. High-end department stores making a few last-ditch efforts. TJX to launch new home market stores. And more in this episode of Brick and Data. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and I'm, of course, as always, joined by Jose Chan. Hey, Jose. Hey, Todd. Hey, everyone. So we've got a few topics today, and we're going we're gonna to jump right in. There is no hesitation right now to jump right into this stuff because it's actually kind of interesting. Um, we, like we mentioned in the, in the lead-in, is uh, we've got some interesting data on our new favorite, at least my new favorite generation, I think. Uh, Generation Z. And maybe it's just because I've got a couple kids in that generation, maybe one. And, uh, you know, they're, what, what they've got going on here is a very interesting pattern of, of preferences or just general, uh, just general desires of, of wanting to shop more in store. And that's, that's really the story with these guys. But it does actually extend a little bit beyond them, too. It's, it's not just Gen Z. Um, but uh, Chain Store Age recently posted... Uh, posted something very interesting in an article about uh, how Generation Z still prefers to, sh- to shop or purchase in-store. Um, 46% will check in-store to get more information before making an online purchase. And uh, specific to the U.S., around 77% of Gen Z said, according to this survey, said that brick-and-mortar stores is their preferred shopping channel. This is according to, ch- according to Chain Store Age. So pretty interesting stuff here. I mean, this is a huge, uh, huge generation of younger kids right now. Well, I mean, younger, obviously, they're they're kids. So they span up to, I think, what, being born into the early 2000s? Not, not, is it early 2000s? Is that right? Yeah. Around that time frame? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this, this is a big deal, I would guess, for that, uh, you know, the, that trend of, of that shopping trend for retailers and... Do you see any any kind of when you look over the the generations? I guess Jose, looking past and um, you know from like Gen X to millennials and then to Gen Z here, uh, what I mean, what kind of impact do these generations have? I mean, is it is it a strong enough impact that it could change that it essentially could make or break the survival of a retailer if they don't adapt as these generations become uh, higher in the ranks of being able to spend money? You know, when they've That's got it. this financial power. That's a really right. good question, Todd. That's a really good question. The thing is that although we, we look at them, and I, I agree with you, Gen Z is important, it's the context of right. what life stage a particular customer base is in uh, within, and you have to look at the total population, right? Because the, all the generations overlap. So yes, we, we, we could segment them, but it's to your point, the context of who has the spending power at a given point in time. So let, let, let's take the current time now. Right. So the current time, we talk a lot about millennials, and we have talked a lot about millennials. Uh, but really, the the ones that are driving, you know, hold the most wealth are the baby boomers. That that those are just the facts, right? But then you have a mixture of Gen Xers who are there that you don't hear much about, but they're spending too. But they just ter- tend to be in smaller numbers. So given the fact that they're kind of like in between um, baby boomers and Gen Y, which means that because they're in between smaller and concrete numbers in the U.S., uh, they get less attention. But nevertheless, they're still always in the mix. And to your point, Gen Z is also in the mix at a different stage. And at one point, they'll be a, a little bit 
of time, a time frame when everybody's going to be in the mix, which makes it more difficult. So right. really the, the end result is you kind of have to prioritize what you want to be as a particular retailer because you can't be all things to all generations. Although Gen, Gen Y, because again, it's concrete numbers um, in the U.S. gets so much attention, right? Because uh, there would ch- change the industry overall, the habits and such. Yeah, absolutely. And the habits, you know, and the habits are pretty straightforward and they, they span generations um, from what we're seeing here. I mean, there's another article on Retail Dive and we, we tend to reference a few of these uh, a few of these uh, outlets because they they post really relevant stuff. And this this piece that they posted was around um, some of the reasons why um, why any well, any any generation. So this isn't actually this isn't specific, I don't think, to a spe- and, uh, to a certain um, to a certain age. But it's more of a commonality between anybody, anyone, anyone that has spending power right now, regardless of the generation, you know, why are they shopping in stores uh, versus online? And the top reason is to see touch and feel and try. Right. So it's just that's that's the experience. That's the sensory experience that you can't get online. But it doesn't mean obviously they're not buying online, but they do appreciate the in-store for that. And um, and also the convenience of being able to take things home immediately and return things easily. But the complexity of this. I think is is the thing that's going to start that has already complicated things for retailers of trying to figure out where is that balance between um, providing that experience of seeing, touching, feeling, and um, and anything else like what we're going to talk about in a little in just a little bit on some of the efforts some retailers are making to mm-hmm. boost that experience to take advantage of that desire for their customer wanting to experience uh, something in the store whether it's just going in there and just you know trying out a sweater or feeling it. Um, or just the convenience of taking it home or returning it, it's that creates that creates challenges for them. You know, from a technology perspective, um, the returning items uh, to you know being the third the third uh, t- the, I guess the third highest reason to shop in stores to return items more easily, and that just means returning items they may have bought from that store from another store from online. And that creates complexities from an inventory perspective. It creates complexities from a supply chain perspective, and it also starts clouding things for retailers. It makes it harder for them to really see the trends or see what's happening with their uh, with their consumers in that case when they've got returns from coming all uh, coming in from all directions, and they've got people buying things in different ways, and they're not really sure exactly how to take advantage of some of this some of this change in, in behavior. But you know, like we're seeing here, these these generations do have do have certain ways that they they lead with this kind of stuff, you know, whether it's the millennials leading, leaning more towards, I don't know, social or online, and then uh, maybe Gen Z leaning a little bit towards uh, the in-store having that, 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 I guess, that driving experience for them. So, You're absolutely right, Todd. And if you think about this, uh, specifically in the apparel segment, right, seeing, feeling, and trying out products is key, whether it's offline or online. And I think regardless of how we shop and agreed, the more channels to purchase from, the higher the likelihood of purchasing from a given retailer, uh, that won't change across generations, right? Maybe there'll be nuances, more or less social media, more in store. But at the end of the day, with apparel, we always want to try it on because what you see in a picture isn't the way it's going to look on you, right? The color may not always be uh, the right shade, when you try it on in the light that you're used to, uh, natural light or in, indoors for that fact. Mm-hmm. And and it, that's what makes it tough. So I, I think that there are nuances to your point, and I fully agree, uh, within the generations. But overall, 
this whole thing of uh, see, feel, and try out products, specifically in the apparel categories, is something that's just uh, spans all generations. Right. And it's it's very interesting because, you know, I mean, 90% plus of transactions are still in stores. And honestly, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for Amazon just absolutely dropping the hammer on uh, on the e-commerce section of the world, I, I, that, that number would be much higher. You know, it wouldn't be in the low 90 percentage uh, area as, as it currently is, like 90, 92%, I think it's around right now. Um, it would be a lot higher because it seems like the the, <clears throat> the the opportunity right now for retailers from whether it's a technology perspective at driving more uh, dr- driving more transactions for them, or if it's an experience angle or whatever it might be, uh, is is that in store in a way? I mean, they're gonna with with the e-commerce movements um, and the acceleration of that over the past I don't know ten years or so. That ceiling's gonna hit soon, you know, in terms of what can you do online with that? I mean, the, you know, putting uh, placing aside things like maybe VR or something where it's a little bit more of a of of an experience, but you know. We, we need to kind of see how that goes in the, in the in the in the next few years, but I think the, some of the some of the opportunity they have here from a technology perspective, from an analytics perspective, from um, from uh, you know being able to ramp up those those earnings really will take place from an, uh, in store. Exactly. No, fully agree. And the other thing to consider, I mean, you mentioned Amazon. I know we we always mention them a lot, uh, but that, I think it's important to highlight that this is to your, what you were alluding to earlier. It's about the supply chain. Amazon is looking to own the full supply chain in order to minimize their costs and get this direct-to-consumer model um, pretty much squarely in their space, right? Because right. it's expensive. And that's not how it's been for retailers, right? I mean, exactly, You don't no. find any retailers owning the supply chain, do you? No. I mean, you, no. you've got the most experience in retail out of the, out of the two of us here, so, you, I mean... <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like that's that's I mean, you just stated it. That's where that's where they've accelerated, and that's where they've they've done so well at. Yes, that you're absolutely right. No one owns their supply chain. Maybe they're big enough and have scale in order to negotiate better shipping costs. Yeah. But it's all third party. Amazon's looking. I mean, you know, we've talked about building a fleet of planes. We're talking about with with shipping companies <laughs> yeah. to to do what we just said in terms of maximizing deals for themselves. Uh, drones may be a little bit far off, but close to the concept of we want to own our supply chain direct to consumer because that's where a lot of the costs um, come into play. Right. Which it's, is it's, speed to deli- it's speed to consumer. It's, it's how exactly. fast can you get something to somebody. That's the flavor of the, you know, of the past few years, and that's not going to exactly. change, let's be honest. Exactly. I mean, we want to be, we want to be like um, – like back to the future here, putting putting a little something in our microwave and have it turn into something very useful. Whether it's like you know putting a, a little a little uh, piece of rice in you know into something and have it turn out to be a turkey or something. Because so we want things right now, and that's not going to change, right? And it's none exactly. of that stuff is going to change. So no, it's going to get actually <laughs> much uh, depending on the generation, obviously, uh, in context of what the future might be. Mm-hmm. Given wants, desires, needs of a future generation, like a Gen Z, for example, right. um, if anything, yes, things will accelerate, almost like Moore's law applied to consumers. Totally, absolutely. 
So uh, now that we've stated that, you know, we, we've 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 covered this before, but it seems like honestly, when we first started talking about this early in the fall, it almost seemed like a fad. Like it almost seemed like we were just, oh, look at the millennials again, or look at you know, look, there's more news on millennials, or no more news on Gen Z and stuff, and and it's it's becoming more apparent to me, and I think to everybody is that the the demands that that these different generations make. Uh, as far as what the, how they want to buy things is going to determine the success or failure of retailers, and uh, and this is almost like a pivot they're going to have to make every every ten years or so, in, a, in an extreme pivot, whether it's you know different types of technologies, different types of routes to reaching their customer, or or anything you know they're going to have to make these changes, and it's how it's the most agile retailers that will that will succeed in that case. It seems like right. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so yeah, so next, next topic, uh, speaking of some changes, we've got, um, I believe this is another, uh, uh, another, it's like a conglomeration of, of articles that we found on, on high-end department stores. And that's been a more, another topic of our conversations over the past several episodes is, is how can high-end department stores, I guess, stem the bleeding, um, whether if you see Macy's out there closing stores, you know, um, Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, some of those guys, changing the way that they go about, you know, experience, uh, providing customer experience and, uh, trying to get people back in their stores. So their in-store traffic's, uh, traffic is, is, is dropping a little bit. Um, they're trying to, um, trying to figure out ways to bring people back into their stores. And some of them, some of them are, uh, adopting things on more of the technology side. So more of that experience side. So once either once they get into their store or a reason for them to come back to the store, uh, is, is, you know, is definitely something that they're trying to latch onto to see if they can uh, reinvigorate that uh, that base that they have. So, um, Neiman Marcus is an example. Jose, I mean, you want to maybe cover the the first one here, and maybe you've uh, maybe you've heard this more than I have around the the mirror stuff, the, the memory mirror. This is I don't know. I'm gonna honestly, I don't know if it's this is a fad type thing or if this is just a hey, look at this shiny object, come check it out, and then they disappear from the store and never come back. I don't yeah. know, but check it. Explain to, to the folks what this memory mirror yes. thing is. So it, it, it's a shopping mirror where shoppers could record themselves in outfits, share so share the outfits on social media. Uh, however, think of it this way: it started in Burberry uh, years ago. It, called it Magic probably, Mirror, right? Like this one's yes. called Memory Mirror. It seems like they've each got their own. There's other, you know, there's plenty of vendors and you know, technology providers that are offering things exactly. like this. So they've got their own exactly. names for it. You got it. And there, it's generally a mirror where you could do any one of the things we mentioned. You could also perhaps find product that's recommended for you, given what you've bought into the dressing room hmm. um, with you. It, it could do a lot of things. You could actually call, uh, I was going to mention that Rebecca Minkoff does this, and hmm. you know, you've probably heard of it uh, quite a bit in the media, where you could call a sales associate. Uh, from your room, from your mirror. It's like a little control panel. Uh, there's so many things to do, but look, with this, Todd, I mean, it, it's it's a test, iterate, and let's see what works. Because right. at, at the heart of all of this, and I know we'll talk about the other um, in-store tech solutions that exist to enhance the experience. Yeah. It's just about that. It's about the experience. And I think what makes in-store uh, exciting. Uh, forget whole technology aside for a second. Uh, not to say it's not important, but just hold it aside. What will be 
and I think will always be, even with technology in the picture now, is you go to a store to experience something. You want something special, whether it's something as simple as having a, an associate smile at you and greet you warmly, authentically, and welcome you to a store, like a Whole Foods, right? Let's take a Whole Foods where uh, I'm sure it's happened to you a lot of times, Todd, when you walk in and if you can't find something, you could ask anyone uh, who works at Whole Foods and they will actually take you <laughs> literally to the aisle to find yeah. the product that you're looking for. That's service. Yeah, right? it is service. And it is. I mean, but yeah, I guess you're right. I think you and I have talked about this before, though. A, I, I think that get, you know, going to a store, you have a purpose. You have a reason to go there. And uh, what Neiman Marcus and others are trying to do in this case, it seems like they're trying to um, uh, make that reason to come into the store more apparent. Um, and then, and then, then once you get in, yeah, you want you want that experience. But you know, things like this memory mirror, maybe people would would would. It's not something generally speaking most people would have at their home. So maybe something like that would be a reason for um, that, you know, <clears throat> a certain generation, maybe it's Gen Z uh, to go in there and, it, you know, because it lines up with social media, because it lines up with other types of media that they is shareable and other ways they can they can save and kind of reexamine or, you know, check out again the next day. How did I look in that? I think I like it. I'm going to go back and get it. <laughs> or, um, you know, and there's other thing. There's a couple other things that Neiman is doing, which is which is pretty neat. This other thing, it's 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 essentially they're calling it Snap Find Shop. And if it's very similar to like Shazam, you know, this, that, that app that we've all used at one point in time, sitting at a restaurant, song comes on, you're like, oh, I, I kind of like that. Oh, this is horrible. One of the two. And you want to know what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so you just turn on, you know, Shazam. And next thing you know, you've got, you've got your, uh, you've got your, your artist title and everything. So what they're doing here with Snap Find Shop is um, very similar. Uh, their shoppers can take a picture of, you know, the friend's pair of shoes, for example, or a, a hat. And then the app will automatically, um, using obviously some kind of artificial intelligence, identification capabilities, image, image mapping, things like that, they'll be able to find a very similarly styled item from Neiman Marcus that they can purchase. And it, obviously it's a Neiman Marcus app, so it's going to show from their, from their collection. And this is a, it hasn't been something that's proven to work yet. And of course, when you've got a specific uh, a name like Neiman or Macy's or whatever, introducing an, an app like that, it's... It's a little bit of a little bit of a shaky grounds having to make it lined up with their brand like that because maybe people just don't look at them as an authority on 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 technology. So maybe I haven't looked at the app itself yet. So maybe the Snap Find Shop thing is its own brand. Maybe just kind of like subtly by Neiman Marcus, um, and people will use it and 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 be able to find better what you know what what a friend is wearing. But, you know, they'll be able to find this quicker. They'll be able to come in the store and buy it. That's the kind of speed of transactions that they want. They want people to, to come back in, right? So I think it's kind of neat. I don't know if it'll take, but the concept I think is great. Yeah, look, Todd, I, I think... Google's been doing that about, too, I think. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> look, let's think about Neiman Marcus. They started back maybe three years ago, I'd like to say, roughly. Uh, we could look this up and, and, and prove this, but... Roughly around that time, two, three years ago, mm -hmm. they began to uh, install sales associate apps, right? Which just pretty much gave you their customer base. Uh, it was at their fingertips where they get the preferences, they get birthdays. It, it's what used to be called in the old days in retail a black book, mm -hmm. which is literally a book that kept the information on your customers separate and apart from whatever was in the system already. 
and they're, they're trying to make this a little bit more standardized. So I think this is the next step for them. But to your point, it's really not clear that um, any what's going to take because it's experimental at, at, at best, I think. And they're, they're trying new things to, to your point, resonate with the different generations that are coming in to see experience, as we said earlier in this segment, mm-hmm. um, is what they're looking for. But is this the right experience would be a question. Not clear right now. But they're trying to figure out, is it? And if not, they move on, right? Yeah. If it is, maybe they elaborate a little bit more on there and they'll try out different things. Because I think we, we had talked uh, or had seen, not talked, uh, about things like this maybe about five years ago is when the ideas or concepts of these things were coming out but it was pie in the sky at that time nobody was willing right <laughs> to try it out well and, and there's a common thread between a lot of these things here that we're seeing and um maybe you can cover the last one here on voice recognition but a lot of these these technologies that they're trying the ones that are well both of them both back office type stuff and also on the on the show floor type stuff stems around um, artificial intelligence, you know, machine learning, um, you know, analytics in some form or fashion. All of these in some form or fashion are taking data and they're they're slicing and dicing it in ways that will offer some kind of value to their customers. You know, whether it's a snap find shop thing where you can take a picture of an image and then you know they're able to match it with something else. So it's, you know, it's almost like a, almost like a personalization or something like that, that happens on the fly like that. Um, that's kind of neat. It's, you know, it's, it's, I've never, I haven't seen that done before. Um, in terms of like in an app like that, when it comes to, uh, an actual piece of, of merchandise and, um, you know, and the mirror thing is probably the least interesting of this that I've seen, but it's, it definitely extends, extends from in-store to being able to take it home or share with your friends and things like that. So that kind of sharing and, and socialization of, of, of clothing and what you're wearing and stuff like that. So sure, that's kind well, of cool. Recommend- so, you, I mean, this voice recognition thing, why don't you just kind of cover that very quickly, Jose, around, uh, around what's going on with their um, more employee backroom type communications. Sure, which is really interesting, Todd. Thanks. Yeah, if you think about what they're doing on the front end with the end consumers, they're also doing this back end piece, which is uh, the similar to Alexa and Google Home. So Neiman Marcus is testing um, voice command technology that should help foster and streamline communications, uh, that is employee communications, with the back room, right? So for example, here's a quote. Uh, it's a little wearable computer about the size of a key fob and when you press the button, you give a voice command. Uh, so for example, if you say, hello, shoes, it's going to connect you to an associate in the shoe department. Or if you say, hello, register help, it sends an um, all call to the registered uh, trained associates um, to come man the registers in the store. So that's kind of really- cool. And that, that's Scott Emmons. Emmons, he's the uh, head of uh, Neiman Marcus's innovation lab. And the fact that they have an innovation lab is really cool, by the way. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's interesting. I just it, this must expose something. And maybe you can elaborate on this. This must must expose some communication issues in general with, um, you know, the on the floor folks and the folks in, in the back uh, or if there yes. sometimes is maybe there's no one in the back room. But, um, you know, being able to streamline that knowledge of inventory status, you know, whether it's, there's probably one issue that they have of sometimes not knowing the correct inventory in general. Um, you know, so it's, it's been a mixed bag for me going to places, uh, 
But, you know, maybe sometimes it's not just not just, you know, whether it's accurate inventory information is just, you know, how quick can you find out, uh, you know, where this inventory is and uh, if you have something in stock and if you're not at a register, what can you do to facilitate that without having to walk across a store to go look it up on on the computer? Right. That's a really good point. And I think you alluded to earlier. It's the fact that because customers want uh, things immediately, uh, we as end consumers also want service immediately, especially if we're going to take the time, right, to drive, uh, walk, any type of transportation to get to a physical store, mm-hmm. right? Walk and find the department on a given floor, right? Whatever thing we're looking for, um, then we want to make sure one, we have someone at the cash register or could find someone that could help us uh, streamline the whole process, which is more about the, if I made this effort, let's just make it easier for me to get out quicker, right? right. And because to your point, it's frustrating. That That's one thing. You could never find someone to help you when you need them. Uh, but when you don't need them, then it's usually Murphy's Law, right? <laughs> but it, it's, I think it's part of that. And it just makes the experience better because it goes back to this whole thing we started off at the segment with this particular segment. It's about the experience. You want a positive experience. You don't want to tell your friends, oh, I waited at XYZ store right. for X number of minutes and I couldn't find anyone to help check me out. Right. Yeah. You want to see them most quick. Absolutely. That's, that is that is the name of the game for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, shall we move on? So let's, let's touch on the last topic we have here and that is about TJX. So... Um, Jose, I know you've got some, some strong opinions on this and, and TJX has been, has been absolutely, um, a home run when it comes to the, you know, their off price chains of Marshalls and TJ Maxx and home goods. Um, Sierra trading post is another one. And if I'm missing any, uh, just say something, but you know, they're, they're, they're going to, they're going to keep expanding because they're doing well. Um, and it might be interesting for us to just kind of examine here quickly as to, uh, what they're doing and, and, and why they're. Why are they doing well when it seems like there's so many others, maybe not in the off price area, in the off price area that are having troubles? Is this yeah, pure no, like a price thing? I mean, it can't be that. It cannot be that simple. So, what, what do you think? Uh, I think it's 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 partially price, but it's value, right? It, it's yeah. this reputation that they've built over the years. Uh, specifically, let's let's take a look at Marshalls and TJ Maxx, right? They're they're you would say that they're similar types of discounters under the same parent company, TJX, mm-hmm. but actually overall they're doing well because they're pretty big into this concept of treasure hunt, meaning that you walk into any one of their stores, uh, TJX or Marshalls, and you will find an item, but you better buy it then and there because there's no one, there's no guarantee that it's going to be there next time you're going to go. But also what's fun for customers is really finding the deal. Mm-hmm. There's something about finding the deal that, that appeals to people. And that, that's been, I think, part of the secret, uh, one of the secrets, in addition to the fact that everybody likes a deal mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, on top of just looking for something. And those two elements coupled together along with economic, let's say, uh, pressures where you don't want to pay full price and you have to go for the discounts, it's just fun for people to right. do this. Makes sense, and they're they're going to capitalize on this. It seems like right, they're going to keep going. Um, so yeah. what are they, what are they doing here? So they've got this new line of stores, uh, the home market stores, but it sounds a lot like Home Goods to me. So what is what's the difference, and why why is uh, why is this new line of uh, home market stores a thing for them? 
that's really good. So at, I, I mentioned that Marshalls and TJ Maxx are part of the umbrella company, TJX. Right. But the interesting thing is that they're going to create the same feel uh, with this new home market store concept. So they have home goods. So let's talk a little bit about what home goods is. Home goods essentially has 570 stores uh, in the U.S. And they've been, so for example, they increased 5% in the fourth quarter, right, of last year, um, on top of a 7% increase posted in the same quarter a year earlier, right? So mm -hmm. they're growing and they're doing well. So they decided this is the, the company and you had the CEO, uh, Ernie Herman, told analysts last week that they're going to launch this quote and unquote home market store concept for new stores this year, 2017, that will be a segment of... Uh, home goods wasn't clear on exactly what they're going going to put. Maybe in is it for more urban areas, or is it just it just it doesn't regardless of urban or rural? Like they don't. It's not clear. Not, That's okay. a really good question. Yeah. It, it's not clear because you don't you don't see many of that. You don't see that in in cities or in urban areas. You don't see home goods too often. Too often, at least. I haven't seen one in Boston. Maybe there is That's, one, but having a more I, transactional type store like that would be interesting. You're right. I, I've not seen one either, but that probably would make sense, right? Mm -hmm. If you put two and two together, you – okay, let's take his statement and mm -hmm. extrapolate. He said, we believe – and this is um, his quote, uh, Ernie Herman's mm – -hmm. while we are proud to have grown home goods customer base for many years, we believe we remain significantly underpenetrated in the total U.S. home market, yeah. right? Which would lead us to believe, to your point, Todd, which is probably – Urban. He didn't say much about where, mm -hmm. uh, but that would make sense, right? It's like, look, let's expand this concept elsewhere under a new um, brand name or chain of stores name so that we could capitalize on creating a new image and not be encumbered by our existing home goods concept. Yeah. So what they're, right? it seems like they're, what they're doing um, is kind of almost like an Amazon effect on, on some other uh, some other companies, almost like what Amazon was doing to Best Buy before Best Buy decided to, you know, um, pay attention again, it seems like. I mean, they're doing very well now, but um, <clears throat> with Marshalls and TJ Maxx, uh, their effect, the effect of Marshalls and TJ Maxx on department stores has been uh, quite quite, quite a number for those guys. So they, they're, this, I mean, this article that that we got these these quotes from was actually uh, all about that, you know, how, how TJX single-handedly is almost dismembering department stores because of um because of the off price uh, off price stores with marshall's tj maxx doing so well um this you know there's a, a lot of cannibalism there happening between um uh between those guys and and department stores so there's a lot of le there's a less need for you and i to go to a department store if you can maybe get that great deal on something damn close to what you're looking for at a marshall's or tj maxx and now they've got this home goods thing which you know the that home goods area of a, this is more of categorization here, home goods area of a department store uh, still exists. And um, I'm curious as to how those are doing at this point. And, you know, not to mention things like, um, uh, things like your, your classic uh, Bed Bath & Beyond type stores mm -hmm. that are also like this. So, you know, they're, they're, they've clearly got those types of stores in their scopes here. And they realize that they've got a lot of opportunity, uh, especially right now. You know? Yeah. No, you're right. Because if you think of going into a legacy retailer, right, any legacy retailer mm -hmm. for that fact, I mean, if how are you going to purchase something 
uh, in the department where you got racks and racks of stuff uh, with all these brands. It's like, oh, my God, it's a lot of stuff and it's not segmented. Right. And, and you can't find help right. uh, touching on the last segment that we just talked about. You can't find help. Uh, maybe you're looking for something specific uh, you want to check out. Look, if you go into a very clean TJX type of model where it's like, okay, everything's segmented for you. You know where the departments are. You know you're not going to really find help um, necessarily. I mean, you'll find it, mm-hmm. but that's not what you're there for. You're there for the deal, right. and you're going to help yourself, which is this whole treasure hunt concept. Then that's cool. You know what you're in for. It is true. It is a very unique experience. It is very different. Um, yeah, which is interesting as to how it's actually doing this kind of damage. I'd like to find some numbers on this actually, but how it's actually doing this damage to department stores, you know, Agreed. if it really is such a different experience and different, uh, almost a different uh, market in a way. No, you're right. Because I, I like going into Marshall's and TJ Maxx, uh, believe it or not. I mean, it's an even Sierra trading post for that fact. I haven't gone to home goods, but I've been to all three and home goods is it, great. It, yeah. Yeah, it's great. I'll yeah, give it a, give a, a shot. Here. We some I like that treasure hunt, right? I mean, retail, it, it's like fun. Do, and, I mean, I'm not going to spend a whole you know, this, lot of time this department on, store thing is on keeps it coming online up. necessarily or in store, but if, it's and, like, um, if I need something quick, and then see how, like, uh, how these I'm new home market stores go for TJX and see what other tricks some other retailers have up their sleeve to get people in their stores. You know, this is, I tell you, it's been, before we started the podcast, obviously it's been a hot topic over the past year, year and a half especially. Uh, with some of these new technologies coming about to really facilitate some of these new interactions with customers. And it's just going to get even more interesting. So we'll, we're going to keep covering this stuff. And, um, uh, you know, I would, I would suggest, you know, if you're listening, you have some ideas, some topics, you know, send it over to us at brickdatacast at gmail.com. Um, happy to hear it there. Happy to hear it wherever you might find us, which you can find us on Twitter too, is at, at brickdatacast. Um, and if you have any yeah, questions, comments, feedback, sending it there, that is, I'd call that a show. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and whatever podcast app that you use. We're most likely on there. And uh, until next time, we will see you and take care. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.